Obscure Pastor Podcast. I'm Drew Carpenter, your host on the podcast for all kinds of ministers and other followers of Jesus who work in relative obscurity. So today, my guest is Dave Hershey, and I've known Dave for almost four years now. We work together at our at my current church. But Dave also does other ministry, and I would love for you, Dave, to tell us a little bit about that and kind of who you work with, what you do, um, not only at Coinos but in the wider world. Sure, no problem. I work at Penn State Berks as the campus minister for Christian Student Fellowship. So uh, I guess to make a long story short, I got involved in campus ministry with uh, CSF when I was a student at Penn State uh, back in about the year 2000. And CSF is similar to other campus ministry organizations like InterVarsity and Crusade. Uh, We probably have our own quirks, but um, after I graduated from Penn State, I uh, went to seminary and then after that, I was in touch with my campus minister and um, the opportunity to work at Penn State Berks came up and that was uh, at the time pretty appealing. Uh, so I decided to take that on. And uh, CSF, we have about six or seven campuses in the state of Pennsylvania that come under our uh, board of directors. And then we have other ministries throughout the country that we're kind of affiliated with. Uh, There's no overarching governing body. Our kind of governing body is just in Pennsylvania. So I've been um, working with CSF at Penn State Berks um, since about 2005, I guess. And uh, I have to, in that, fundraise my own salary through individuals and churches, kind of like an overseas missionary. And uh, I also, along with that, just in the last couple of years, have taken on some additional roles more statewide. I kind of um, coached the other campus ministers and put together our uh, staff retreat, things like that. I work with training any new staff we get. Uh, so I've taken on a few more roles just in my, I guess you could say, uh, experience. And on a daily basis at Penn State Berks, I mean, I just I hang out with college students. We meet on Thursday nights on campus for a worship night. I teach, uh, preach that night usually. I do small groups throughout the week. Uh, I work with our student leadership team, mostly let them plan any sort of like fun activities because that's not really my job. If they want to go rock climbing or hiking, I love to join them for that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe a little bit less so as I get older, but for the most part, I kind of am there for the support, the the, the teaching, the coaching, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I do. <laughs> Dave is kind of a different kind of bivocational pastor because he pastors and ministers to those college students and then he also functions as a pastor for our children at our church Uh, most bivocational pastors i would say are in a like a i don't know i don't want to call it a regular job but maybe you're an accountant during the day and they preach on the weekends and serve and do do stuff for their their churches and things like that but dave actually has two ministry jobs so Dave, you agreed to come on the Obscure Pastor podcast. Uh, why do you consider yourself to be obscure? <laughs> I mean, I guess on maybe a couple of reasons come to mind. I think part of it would just be a lot of times campus ministry 
or children's ministry for that matter, is something that people do when they're just starting out. So over the years when I visit churches or meet pastors of churches, a lot of times they'll be like, oh yeah, I did campus ministry. And then I, you know, became a real pastor. Uh, so it's sometimes it's seen as something that people do for a while when they're just starting out. And then they'd move on to like something more bigger. Uh, so I think that's one reason. I mean, another reason might be that I work at Penn State Berks, uh, which is not exactly a, I mean, it's not even the biggest Penn State campus. It's one of the smaller uh, Commonwealth campuses uh, throughout the state. So if you talk to people about Penn State, they might think of University Park and the football team and everything else like that. Um, so it's not even exactly, I mean, you know, all college ministry, I think, is somewhat maybe cutting edge, working with young people and things like that. But I'm not exactly hanging out with Harvard or Yale students or things like that. I'm hanging out with people like that. I'm just on a smaller commuter campus, uh, and I'm almost about to turn 40, and I've been doing it for a while, and most people who do it have kind of moved on. So there's a couple of reasons that come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think, and I think, yeah, if you were at the big campus at Penn state, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have more impact than you have had over the years at Penn state Berks and with the other folks that you're influencing. And so, and I can see that in the, in the folks that, that I've met through you through that have even come to coin or maybe to go to other places, but the, the folks that you've had ministry impact on obviously love you and think think highly of you and they notice you. And so that's, that's really cool. And it's been cool to see that over the last few years as I've gotten to know you. Is there, do you ever feel like, okay, I wish, uh, I was, wish I was getting a little bit more recognition or I wish that somebody knew how hard I was working to, to do these for, do this with and for these students. I don't think I really want more, recognition i mean i feel like i'm pretty content maybe that would have been different five or six ten years ago when a lot of people who do like i said campus ministry are maybe transitioning out uh now i've kind of come to just feel like this is where i am and this is what i do um but i think the biggest struggle that comes to mind in that question is that um Sometimes campus ministry is a hard sell. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, my salary that I get comes from fundraising. I have to spend time sending out newsletters and reaching out to churches and alumni and, and working to you know help people understand what I do. And um, I mean, I think just with people when they want to give money or when churches want to give money, um, you know, there's, there's competition and people look at things um, of what you're doing and what the results are. Uh, I know a number of years ago, we did a project on campus. We've done it for many years now, where in the beginning of this semester, we get local churches to donate gift bags to give out to the students. And we include little flyers in there that, you know, tell them that this is a gift from a church, just to show that local churches in the area uh, care about the students. And I think the first, maybe like the third year we did it, one of the churches that had done it, kind of asked me like how many people got saved through this event and not that I'm against people getting saved but that wasn't really why we were doing it like I tried it was like well I mean we're not really keeping track the whole point is to kind of plant seeds and demonstrate but I think in that I saw that there's this desire for people to see results 
and I know just from even talking to the other campus ministers that I'm coaching, I think we all struggle with this. They talk about, you know, we, we meet students and we interact with students and we sit with them, you know, every single week, meet for them for lunch, you know, every single month for two or three years. And, and yeah, like when we meet with them over the course of time, we see growth. We see students who aren't Christians who are maybe investigating Christianity. We see students who grew up kind of maybe they're complacent in their faith, getting more excited about it. But at the same time, it's hard to go to someone and be like, hey, I met with a student for two straight years who's not a Christian. And he's still not a Christian, but he's a little bit open to the idea. Like that's not necessarily going to sell as much as some kind of revival, people getting saved kind of thing. So I think, and I'm content with that as far as like, I'm not interested in pressuring people into getting saved just for results to get more money. Um, but especially when I talk to other campus ministers who struggle with the same thing and just realizing, like seeing from my perspective, all the hours and the good work that these guys are doing and just people don't seem to really understand what they're doing. Uh, I think that can be frustrating, uh, especially just, I guess, living in a results-driven culture uh, and seeing how that results-driven idea has even kind of permeated the church uh, when campus ministry doesn't always end up getting the kind of results people may want to see. <laughs> It is a, it is slow and steady progress, obviously, and um, I think it's important for us to be a part of that be be a part of that life cycle, be a part of that opportunity for people to come to know Jesus, help them find Him and the work that we do and the things that we say and how we how we live with them. Tell me, you know, we've all like uh, had jobs that we've applied for, and and maybe we got to that final tier and we didn't get the job or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's happened to you or if you feel like you've been, you, you got um, passed over or whatever, but kind of in that vein, how do you best handle rejection? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know that I've, but one of the things about how we work in our ministry and as our family is um, my wife is a teacher. And since that is a more stable income um, before I was, kind of bivocational children's ministry and campus ministry. I was bivocational, like home with the kids sort of thing. So I've never, for many years, we've kind of been content with this is where we live and this is what we do. And once my kids went to school and I had more time, I kind of was able to um, do more stuff at the church there with you guys. But um, I haven't really spent a lot of time necessarily looking for new jobs or, or getting rejection. Um, I guess the thing I could think of that does come to mind though is, um, campus ministry does run on a different cycle than maybe churches do. Maybe this is similar, but every year in August when the students come, we always get a large turnout. Just this year, I think our first meeting of the year, we had probably more students than any meeting I can remember in 15 years. And I come home from a meeting like that. It's just like, you know, this year we're going to have, I mean, I posted a picture on Instagram because I'm not going to miss the opportunity to <laughs> share with the world that we had you know, 50 students show up when our average over most years is like 20. Uh, so I home from that meeting and it's just like, oh my gosh, all these students are going to show up and this is going to be a year when like we have tons of people involved and all of our events are going to be big and people are going to be in small groups. And, and then just to see the students kind of drift away and that may just be they just came because the first week was ice cream and they felt like they had to stay for a little bit or maybe they got busy uh, maybe they're commuters who couldn't stay. You know, there's, there could be a lot of reasons for it. 
but it's hard not to look at that first week and then look at, you know, the going from 50 to maybe 20 by the end of the semester and being like, did we choose the wrong Bible study topic? Or, you know, that one week when I wasn't fully prepared to, to give a, a, a teaching, was that the reason why I bore people or was it too deep or was it not deep enough? So I think there's just a lot of second guessing on whether, I don't know, whether the success of the ministry is, or maybe the failure of the ministry, if that's the right term for it, is because of my own personal shortcomings. And, you know, I realize that it's not, that it's bigger than me, and that's not the only reason. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but I think I just need to get back and realize that I do what I do. I do the best I can. I work with the students. They do the best they can. And we can't control whether the students keep showing up or, or, or who decides to do what. How do you how do you kind of keep yourself keep your mindset in that place where you're you're doing your work and leaving the results up to um, God working in people's hearts? Like, what are your do you have some some practices? Do you have some things that you do yeah. you centered and keep you from? Obviously, you're going to have days where you're disappointed, but most days you can't you wouldn't do that or you wouldn't keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I think for me, one of the things when I first um, became a campus minister, I kind of had the commitment that whenever I was on campus, I would not be lazing around. I remember when I, I think when I was a student, someone said how they visited uh, one of the campus ministers and he was like playing solitaire on his computer or something, which, you know, maybe he was eating lunch and taking a break. That's fine. But like, I just kind of had this idea that if I was on campus, like if I would, had a meeting with a student and then I had another meeting with a student like half an hour later, you know, in that half hour in between, if students walked past me on campus, I was going to be kind of doing something that looked like I was, I, I would be, I was going to read a book, I guess is what I would say. I read a lot. Um, I don't want the students to be like, oh, Dave's just, you know, sitting here on campus, especially because, you know, the people that do support the ministry also, I don't want the, them to think that, like, I'm just, you know, taking their money while I hang out on campus and don't do anything. So I think from that kind of decision at the beginning that I would manage my time well, and that was something that was really central to the kind of person and campus minister I wanted to be, that just kind of has set the tone, I think, for the last 15 years then. So, yeah, I spend, I try to spend, um, time in the morning and, and prayer and scripture. Obviously that was difficult while my kids were little. Now that they're in school, it's a little bit easier. And then even when I'm on campus, I mean, I love to read. I think that's one of the disciplines that I most enjoy and am challenged by. And I feel like also just working on a college campus where students are, are learning big ideas and they're being challenged uh, maybe with things they never thought about before. I, 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 I like to joke that I'm a wannabe college professor. Uh, because I want to read books that challenge me, uh, that then I can can challenge them, so that they know that this campus ministry isn't just about having warm feelings for Jesus. Not that there's anything wrong with having warm feelings for Jesus, but that it kind of fits in the college um, atmosphere of promoting big ideas and, and deep discussions and things like that. Um, so I'm not sure that really answered your question, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're, it sounds like you are, you're doing what you love a good chunk of the time, and it happens to cross section with being in college ministry, right? I mean, yeah. think, thinking, thinking deeply about these things, but having conversation with these students regarding on 
thinking about their life issues and what they're trying to do with their lives. And are they going to be, are they going to follow Jesus? Are they going to, what are they going to do as an engineer and a Jesus follower? Those types of things, you know, and it feels like it coalesces well with kind of how you live and what you, I mean, feels like you've built a rhythm around, you know, this is what I'm like as a college pastor. I'm not going to try to fit into something else that may be some stereotypical college pastor. I'm not exactly sure what that would be, but you're kind of being Dave Hershey as a college pastor, as opposed to trying to be some other person as a college pastor. And so I think that's, that's helpful. Well, yeah, that, that reminds, and that's one thing I think, yeah, just recently in the last, because I think when I first started and I was 25, 26, 27, I mean, I kind of maybe looked like a college student. I could blend in on campus. Um, and again, it's a small campus. So everybody kind of knows everybody. Uh, but as I got a little bit older, I kind of had a maybe crisis of, do I still fit here? Can I relate to the students? And over the course of time, um, one thing I've kind of realized with the college students is they don't, they're not looking for a friend or a buddy. They have friends, essentially. Um, so, yeah, if I try to, like, be some kind of cool, hip, someone that's not who I am, like, they're going to see through that. Uh, they even talk about some of the younger professors who – try to be like the cool hip professor and they just make fun of them because that's not what they want their professors to be. They want their professors to be professors. So I just kind of realized I'm like, you know, guys, I'm almost 40. I'm a dad. I have kids. I, you know, go to soccer games and Cub Scout events. Um, you know, this is who I am, but I care about you. And I think that just being, like you said, like being who I am and offering that to them um, is one of the best things I feel like I can do for them. So. I want to ask you one more kind of serious question. Then I have a couple of uh, more fun questions to ask because uh, we, we get kind of, we're, we're, I don't want to be too heavy with this, but I also want to kind of get to the, you know, what do we struggle with and how do we deal with that? And so I appreciate you uh, being no a part of this. So it's been good. Where do you get inspiration uh, to keep going in the middle of the potential lack of recognition or just, perceived failure you know you talk about churches want to see different results and you may have some expectations for yourself you other people may have false expectations for you so what what inspires you um to continue on i think over just this past christmas break for example uh, i i reached out to one of the guys who just graduated uh, last spring and he was someone that I was pretty close to and I don't think I'd seen him for a couple of months and we met up for breakfast over break and he was talking about his new job as a teacher and uh, we were talking about you know working and reminiscing about some of the times that he was in school and talking about um, spiritual things and what he's learning about God and how he's growing in his faith and I just think it's things like that that um, keep me going uh, I can't obviously keep in touch with all the students that graduate uh, as much as I may want to, but when I'm able to connect with a student who graduated, uh, when I'm able to hear stories about what they're doing, or when they even come back to, Penn, to, to the Berks area and they reach out to me, of all people, um, and I think that's kind of things that are inspiring. So, I mean, I, I really enjoy then connecting with students who, I mean, obviously, I think all of us as ministers and people, there are certain people that we maybe um, just naturally connect with more than others. And I think one of the things that keeps me going, though, is is whether it's someone that I can just connect with right away or takes a little bit longer. 
Um, there's students who are wanting to grow in their faith in a way that, you know, when people come to college, a lot of times, some of them maybe haven't gotten there yet, but they, people tend to have that crisis of faith in their teen years, college years. And I don't know if it's like sadistic or something, but I really enjoy meeting with the people that are having a crisis of faith and are maybe questioning things they've always accepted and looking at things maybe more honestly looked at them before. Because I mean, I had a crisis of faith in my teens and I probably have had crises of faith on a regular basis since then. I'm always, you know, struggling with doubts and questions and things. And I think just seeing students who um, are, are, are questioning what they have always learned, but are still, you know, not just rejecting it all, but are, are interested in learning more and, and growing and, and having like a real discussion. Um, I, like, I, I don't know if I said this a minute ago, but like, I, I don't really accept like the simple answers. Like I tell students when I meet them, I'm not here to like, if you have a question about God, to give you the, the answer that's like the sanitized Christian accepted answer, because some of those answers, I don't accept them either. Like I'm, and I have questions too. And I just think that meeting students who are sincere in wanting to grow in faith and want to pursue God in a long-term way um, and then connecting with them over the years, that's one of the things, I mean, there's probably others, that's one of the things that keeps me, keeps me going. That's really great. I love it. I want to ask a couple of more lighthearted things as we close out. This will be something I ask everybody because it's important to me and it may or may not be important to you, but I started this podcast, so I get to ask it anyway. <laughs> Who's your favorite musical artist? Oh, I'll go with Johnny Cash. Sweet. Okay. I'd love to hear something about you that very, that not very many people know. Something that not very many people know. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. I have only had to go to the emergency room, I think, twice in my life, and they've both been in foreign countries on short-term mission trips. For your own personal health and well-being? Yes. Okay. You didn't, like, take a student over there or something? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right. There, no, there were both times I injured myself. Because <laughs> I've, I've taken a few students to the emergency room on uh, – at camps and trips and yeah so anyways and you're still here you live to tell the tell so i know you like to cook uh what is your favorite kitchen gadget oh um yeah no, that's good uh yeah i love to cook um i'm not a big fan of gadgets though. i like just using a good old-fashioned knife and a uh, cutting board but i do have to say that um i really like the food chopper thing that helps make vegetables like cut like, up into really small pieces um instead of using a knife to cut up really small pieces i don't know what the technical name for it is it's just like a food chopper yeah cool but I, also i'm thinking of my uh, potato masher when i make mashed potatoes i like to just mash them with like an old-fashioned potato masher so that's actually probably even more of my favorite then i get like nice chunky mashed potatoes yeah. So it's that it's that handle with like the 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 flat part with all the holes in it that you push down into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Have you know, I have to ask you, Dave. I think I know the I might know the answer to this already, but I would love to 
have you tell our listeners what your favorite book of all time is. Favorite book of all time? Man, I guess just for the impact in my life from when I read it, it would have to be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, I, mean, I could mention Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia in general and a lot of other fantasy books. I'm a big nerd who likes to read fantasy. But since it was like the first one I read and kind of going back to numerous times and then every time I read it, I get kind of deeper meanings out of it that I didn't get when I was 10. Yeah, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe would be right up there at the top. All right. Well, I, then I was wrong because I thought A Prayer for Owen Meany was your favorite. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. I mean, that would be top five. Yeah, prayer for, okay. a, a prayer for Owen Meany is definitely top five. Okay. Um, you to pick one. I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, it might be a different one. But <laughs> Sure, I understand. Uh, it, what am I reading right now, right? <laughs> How would somebody find you out in the world? Do you have a blog? Do you have a, a Twitter account? Instagram, what, what would be the best way for people that are listening to this that don't know you? What would be the best way for them to connect? And I won't give them your t- telephone number. That's fine. Um, I do have a blog. Uh, I think the web address is dmlhershey.com. I don't really post that often. I post maybe once or twice a month. I send out a newsletter to the people that pray, pray for us for a ministry. Um, about twice a month. One of those is an update on the ministry. One is more just kind of like devotional, what I'm learning, what I'm reading kind of thing. Um, and I usually post that on the blog. So yeah, www.dmlhershey.com. Okay. And I am on Twitter. I don't really like Twitter. Um, that's probably the best way if someone wants to connect with me who doesn't know me um, because I tend to try to live in my Facebook to people I know personally. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think my Twitter, my Twitter might be dmlhershey. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'll look it up. I follow you. So, all right. Well, anything else uh, you would like to say before we wrap it up and call it, uh, we put this one in the can, as they say? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I hope that if, if anyone's listening for the first time, listen again. Andrew's a cool guy, and I really have got enjoyed knowing you. I can't believe it's been four years already, but I hope that you get some good listen to this podcast and some more interviews and yeah, that it all goes well. Well, thanks. Have you ever been on a podcast before interviewed? I don't think so. Me neither. I'm sure I've like visited, I've visited churches and done like a presentation for the ministry, which they probably put on a podcast. Right. Um, well, yeah, not like a podcast interview. Yeah, we have. That's true, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, and I've preached count. there before too. <laughs> But an interview format podcast. Anyways, well, I appreciate you coming on. No problem. You have been listening to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe today and sign up at obscurepastor.com for my brief weekly e-newsletter. It's a dose of encouragement and inspiration. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew Carpenter. So let's be friends.